Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez, and we have big news. It seems like the revolution has started all around the world, Canada, Denmark, the UK, here in the US as well. We're seeing a lot of people fight back and push back against mandates worldwide, and it's amazing to see. I wanted to talk about and start the show off today with the freedom convoy that is currently going on in Canada. And I wanted to bring on Canadian political commentator Marie Oakes to talk about everything that is going on over there. But before we bring her on, I do want to talk about this tweet uh, from Disclose TV. Denmark no longer classifies COVID-19 as a socially critical disease. All restrictions will be lifted from February 1st. So just some news worldwide about how COVID restrictions are being lifted. Meanwhile, here in the U.S., our Customs and Border Patrol this past I believe this was on Saturday, tweeted out travel update. Effective today, all non-U.S. individuals seeking to enter the U.S. via land ports of entry and ferry terminals at the U.S.-Mexico and U.S.-Canada borders must be fully vaccinated for COVID-19. So I wanted to bring on Marie Oaks to talk about what is currently going on and how Canadian truckers are pushing back against this and one of the largest convoys I've ever seen in my life, maybe even in history. So Marie, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Savannah. Thank you for having me on. And speaking to that tweet you showed of the border agency, this also applies to essential workers. So what you're seeing in Canada with the truckers, well, this is the same thing that the U.S. in a large part is also dealing with, because if you look at where a lot of produce comes from, it's South America and namely Mexico. And Mexico has very low jab rates. So when you have all these unvaccinated you know, truck drivers trying to bring in produce from Mexico, they can't. And what are you going to do about that? And that is also at the Canadian border. You have a lot of goods coming, flowing through the U.S.-Canada border that just aren't going to make it to the U.S. right now. So this is not just a Canada issue. This is an entire North America issue. A hundred percent, Marie, a hundred percent. It's not just America that is feeling those supply chain issue effects. It seems to be happening in multiple countries. Now, you were one of the first people to report on this. I saw this video that you posted this past Saturday, kind of the beginnings of this convoy. I'm going to play about five, ten seconds of this, show the viewers some of that B-roll, and then we'll get your commentary on it. And for my podcast listeners, again, what you are seeing is the beginning of that Freedom Convoy. This was taken in Smithers, Canada, and these are truckers on their way to Ottawa to protest the mandates this coming weekend. So, Marie, talk to us about this footage a little bit and, um, again, just the beginnings of this and how this all started. So how this started is similar to that policy we were just talking about. The Canadian government had this policy that they flip-flopped a few times on, but ultimately stuck with their original flip-flop or their original policy of banning unvaccinated drivers from coming back into Canada. And if Canadian unvaccinated truck drivers wanted to come into Canada, well had to get tests they quarantined for two weeks thereafter if they need to get another load to bring back and forth between the border they have to wait two weeks so this kind of spun upon this whole movement within the truckers and as we know truckers are pretty logistical that is their job and they talk to each other on these radios all day Mm -hmm. long so a lot of 
these truck drivers all over the country, not just unvaccinated. A lot of people think this is just unvaccinated drivers. There's a lot of vaccinated drivers who are not happy with everything going on in the country. A lot of the media wants to pretend that this is just a protest against the mandates that are affecting truckers. No, they want all the mandates in the entire country to be lifted. They want restrictions lifted. They want all Canadians to not have to deal with this anymore. It's too much. That's what many of them are saying. So what is happening in Canada right now, starting in Western Canada, BC, which is really far from Ottawa. Ottawa, if you don't know, is the nation's capital in Canada, where Parliament is, where Justin Trudeau is. That's where parliamentary you know, meetings concur. Well, they're taking like a four or five day trek all the way there from Western Canada, starting in BC, going through the entire country. And then I think either tomorrow or the day after, Eastern Canada, which is much closer to Ottawa, Ottawa is going to also start making its trek to the nation's capital to basically clog up Ottawa and make it impossible. I don't really even know how logistically they're going to do this. Ottawa is very small. It's kind of similar mm-hmm. to DC in the way of like traffic is not very ideal in that type of you know environment. So it's going to be pretty insane to see how this logistically will work out. And many of the drivers say they're going to stay in Ottawa till the mandates are lifted. Who knows what this could mean? I mean, this could be weak. Who really knows? And I've seen all throughout the internet, you know, many truck drivers showing they have like weeks worth of food. Some truck drivers are, you know, um, bringing porta potties with them in the back of their truck, like on their beds. So they are prepared to stay there. Yeah, I'm curious to see how long they'll last. I know some people are probably just going to go for a day because it's not just the truckers who are going to be converging onto Ottawa. There's a lot of supporters who are also making their way there. Like you have seen in the videos and we're going to be showing, there's so many supporters on the sides of the highways just cheering on the truckers. And it is cold in Canada. It is negative 27 Celsius in Canada, which is very, very cold in Fahrenheit. I think that's like zero. <laughs> and Marie, <laughs> so let me interject here permitted. at this point. Yes, because this B-roll and this imagery is absolutely amazing. You made the point that Canada, the temperatures aren't very friendly to people right now, right? They're not the temperatures that you want to be outside standing in the cold all day in. But the imagery coming out of Canada right now is absolutely amazing. And you can really feel the energy through these videos that are being circulated. So on that point, I am going to play this clip Uh, so our podcast listeners and our viewers can really sense this energy. And podcast listeners, again, what you guys are seeing is, like Marie said, just hundreds of Canadians on the side of the street with flags, with these posters that read My Body, My Choice, and they are there in support of those truckers. And uh, like Marie just pointed out, those weather conditions, not ideal, but everyone's still out in full force. And I'm glad that you made the point too, Marie, because I had no idea where the start of this convoy was in relation to Ottawa. I had no idea how far away that was. That was a four to five day trek. So thank you for pointing that out. Um, Canada is a long country. (laughs) Yeah. It is shocking. I'm seeing these videos from BC and I'll see the ones today because they're just reaching Ontario today. I'm seeing the same trucks and I'm like, wow, like that is not a fun drive. 
But that's mm-hmm. the life of a trucker and they're showing it. So many people following it. I have friends who are following it in cars and they're like, oh God, this is such an insane drive. Well, these truckers are used to it. These are in large part cross-border truckers. They could be going from BC, Ontario, all the way down to Texas for all we know, supplying and helping you know, Americans also receive their these goods. So that's why I'm I have seen in large part also be supporting these truckers because it's essential to their economy as well. It's not just a Canadian issue like I pointed out earlier. And let me interject here too, Marie, because we are currently seeing tweets like this one go around that say, I just read that 10,000 American truckers are joining the convo in Canada. Those that can't go into Canada will stage at the border areas. And on a little bit lighter note, the convoy has set an all-time Guinness Book of World Records, longest convoy in history. Now, I have heard from my friends on the East Coast that there are people in tractors and various trucks that are starting to amass at the borders. Um in support of Canadian truckers, but are we seeing American truckers joining that convoy in Canada? Let me play this clip for you really quickly to kind of talk about what I'm referencing here, and then we'll get your response. So this is a TikTok and it says convoy in South Carolina. This video is going viral right now. And apparently it's all of these truckers that are allegedly joining the Canadian truckers. And um, you can actually speak over this clip, Marie. Talk to us about this. Is this really happening? Or is uh, this fake news? This clip, this clip in particular, has been debunked as to being quite old of a clip. They were, I can't remember what the protest was, or they were staging some sort of thing for some type of cause. I think something they do yearly. So this unfortunately is not the situation. And with the border restrictions currently, it's most likely the type of truckers that would be in support of this are unvaccinated because the Mm -hmm. vaccinated are largely working and couldn't logistically be part of this. So they wouldn't be able to go into Canada. These are just rumors. There, there definitely is going to be probably some action on the borders besides people converging in Ottawa this weekend, truckers in Canada, truck drivers who are not able to make that long haul trip trip, they're also going to be converging on the U.S.-Canadian border in their prospective province, say in Ontario, Alberta, you know, B.C. So there is going to be some action on the border, but largely in Canada, it's going to be in the nation capital. And the people who can't make it seem to be wanting to converge on their border with the U.S. to really make it known how they feel. How many truckers do you think in total are going to be involved in this convoy? And also, what do you think this is going to look like for Canada as a whole, having all of these truckers clogging up these roadways? It's so hard right now to estimate how many could be there because what we're seeing, because this is such a long protest, you know, this is so many (laughs) days. This is dedication. Yeah, I'm seeing posts from people being like, I didn't know this was going on. I am jumping in my truck and joining. So as we move forward and the Eastern truckers are going to be entering the scene because, you know, this has been just Western Canada right now because Western Canada is so far from Ontario, which is, I mean, Ottawa, Ontario, which is in the East. So we're having drivers from Quebec coming in as well. And they're not going to be leaving till I think either Thursday or Friday, most likely Friday because it's only about a three or four hour drive. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard right now to determine how many people are going. And right now, there's so much bad talk going on in Canada. First, the media was trying to pretend, 
oh, this is a protest for road conditions. That's what they were trying to pass in BC a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And then there was just a total media blackout on this. And I was even seeing influencers in Quebec, which if people don't know, that's a French speaking Providence. I've been seeing influencers with like millions of followers being like, I didn't know this was going on. I thought this was a fake Facebook, you know, trend going on fake videos, you know, being passed because they were unable to find this information in Canadian media. And then that influencer went on to say, but then I realized this was real because I started seeing, you know, the international media reporting about this. And then she was discussing um, how, how messed up is it that she had to learn about her domestic news from international sources. That's something I think a lot of Canadians are now opening their eyes as to how bad their media really is, that they mm-hmm. can't even learn about things going on in their own country. They have right. to learn about it from international U.S. media, that sort of stuff. And one of the reasons why you guys don't know what's going on in your own country is because you have leaders like Justin Trudeau who are constantly suppressing the truth, who are constantly targeting out and singling out the unvaccinated. He actually responded to the truckers' convoy today. Let's go ahead and listen to what he had to say. The small fringe minority of people who are on their way to Ottawa or who are uh, holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians who have been there for each other, who know that following the science and stepping up to protect each other is the best way to continue to ensure our freedoms, our rights, our values as a country. Next question. All right, Marie. So I know you're not currently in Canada, but you're talking to a lot of people who are still living underneath Justin Trudeau's authoritarian regime, as I like to call it. Um, Talk to us about what Canadians are feeling, especially about these comments and remarks. I mean, Canada right now, just like the U.S., it's a very divided country. You either Mm -hmm. love Justin Trudeau or you hate hate him. And that is how the country is built at this point in time. And I could talk about this divide there is of Western Canadians and Eastern Canadians, but I'm not going to, you know, ruin your day over it. But, you know, an interesting thing I found about what he said is people who have been there for others during the pandemic, I'm sorry, these have been the essential workers that hit him and the provincial governments have attacked. He has attacked the truckers who have been there for Canadians the entire pandemic. They didn't get a day off. Their days were harder. They made it so difficult for them when they did cross-border traveling. Even they made it difficult going between provinces because at one point, and still there exists border closures between provinces. It's difficult to even pass through. So for him to say that is such a slap in the face to all these hardworking Canadians who have had to tough it out, have had longer hours, have had just, you know, an increase of hours of waiting at the border. Some of these um, truckers had to wait like almost five times the time they would generally, you know, it used to be like a quick process. Now it's so Mm -hmm. difficult for them. And then now this, which is also making it more difficult for vaccinated drivers, it takes longer. They have to, you know, go through all their paperwork, you know, they hold them up. So him saying that is just ridiculous. He's been attacking people, not just the unvaccinated, just all of Canadians at this point. He constantly attacks Alberta for being oil rich. He attacks Westerners for their conservative values because a lot of people like to say 
Alberta is the Texas of the North. And in large part, there are a lot of similarities between Texas and Alberta. It's a cowboy type of nation. It's oil country. And that's what also Texas is, basically. They're freedom-loving, even though they unfortunately have a vaccine passport, which many Albertans are very displeased about. But <sighs> Justin Trudeau, he is the biggest hypocrite in the world. It's insane for him to discuss acceptable views when he has mm -hmm. done blackface so many times. It's like incredible. And he was right. in his late 20s and in his 30s. It wasn't like he was a dumb kid who did something stupid. It was like, no, he he did this as a, an adult who was, you know, had a career, did it out of school, that type of thing. And he's also like pretending he was like, you know, when he went to India, that was like cultural appropriation or He's just been Wasn't a laughing there also stock. allegations from a reporter recently, a female reporter who said that he had groped her and then he apologized by saying, oh, if I had known you were a reporter, I wouldn't have done that. I recently heard yeah. that. That's like a, it's, it's like something a that's not totally confirmed. It's mm -hmm. um, alleged. Yeah. Okay. An alleged so story. He's not Mr. Feminist though, by any means. I see. I see. Well, Marie, we really appreciate you coming on today and talking with us about these issues. We'll have to have you on again to continue. Maybe next week you can come on and talk to us about what the sites were like this weekend, what the energy was like, because again, just seeing the footage that's coming out now is amazing. Americans should be inspired by this. Hopefully we start our own convoys here in the U.S. Uh, final words, Marie, what do you think Americans should be doing on behalf of Canadian truckers? Uh, do you think they should be following suit? I don't necessarily think that Americans need to do something, you know, to help the Canadian truckers. The Canadian truckers are doing a pretty good job. But I do think that this does prove to a lot of Americans who feel as if, you know, their country is very freedom loving. These are things that are slipping away in America. And a lot of times you're just having people online tweeting about it, not doing much about it. And I hope that this can serve as a reminder to people who think Canada's this, you know, terrible place and no one cares about freedom. Well, look what they're doing. They're putting, you know, action. They're doing action. And what's happening in America, I hope more people maybe get a little more active, see what they can do to mirror some of the things happening in Canada or in Europe. We're really seeing people be out there. Don't let what you want your country to be slip away because a lot of Americans have. But if you want to see more coverage of this, you can follow me. I'm basically everywhere at the Marie Oaks. I'm on Telegram. I'm on TikTok. I'm on, what is it? Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all the Marie Oaks. And I am posting a lot of videos about what is happening. They're verified. They're real. Don't worry that they're fake. There is a lot of fake you know, videos going on, but I am trying my best to verify everything I post. Justin Trudeau just held a press conference. I don't know if you saw it, but he says that everyone protesting him uh, and supporting this convoy, they're unacceptable uh, and that it's time to comply with his mandates. Justin what do you think Trudeau's about that? I think he's pretty unacceptable, yeah. actually. <laughs> Justin Trudeau is full of shit. <laughs> okay. Would you say... Would 
So that was Marie Oaks. Go follow her. I just wanted to play that clip for you guys as well of some Canadians responding to Justin Trudeau and his comments today regarding how the truckers who are protesting against these mandates, they don't speak for the majority of Canada. That's what real Canadians who are out in the freezing cold actually have to say about what is going on in their country. So uh, that was one great clip. Let's play one more for you guys, and then we'll go ahead and move into some U.S. news. Would you be able to tell me um, what, what brings you out here today? I'm out here because I think we have a right to choose whether we want to be vaxxed or unvaxxed. And they try to divide us, but they can't divide us no more because we've become united, both the vaxxed and the unvaxxed people. What do you say to the mainstream media who says that this is uh, an extremist, uh, xenophobic convoy? Do you agree with that? Not so, you. Know, not, no. so we're free. We're free to do and choose what we want to do. And that's, as, that's what Canada is about. And yeah. as far as the mainstream media, they got to stop the lying already yeah. because everybody is woken up and know that they are lying and not telling the truth. They're burying themselves. Yeah. And, you know, and there's no trust. But we were trust. The grassroots people are trusting each other. They're not looking to the media anymore. All right. If you have one word for Justin Trudeau, one sentence for Justin Trudeau, what is it? You're toast, Justin. If you don't turn, you're toast. You are toast, Justin Trudeau. That is what the real Canadians who are standing up for their country have to say. And of course, every single time there's a grassroots movement, whether that's in America, Canada, Australia, big tech has to come in and silence the revolution. Of course, the mainstream media is not going to televise the revolution and show you guys what's really going on. And Facebook today deleted the Canada Truckers for Freedom group with over 600,000 followers. GoFundMe is restricting the $5 million raised to support the truckers, and the, but the convoy is still filled with tens of thousands of freedom-loving Canadians. Uh, two days until Ottawa, that comes from D.C. Drano. So, of course, Big Tech had to come and step in and try to silence what is currently going on in Canada. But we see through the nonsense. We know what's going on all around the world, not just here in America. Again, this past weekend, I was at the Defeat the Mandates rally in Washington, D.C., where thousands of Americans came together to push back against Joe Biden's unconstitutional mandates. His administration, by the way, has backed off from trying to, again, force businesses to have their employees be vaccinated. They realized that, OK, Supreme Court struck this down. It's unconstitutional. It has been from the start. We're backing off from it. And why did they do that? Because the people held the line and the people refused to bend the knee and they wanted to have their voices heard. So we are making moves all across the world right now. Again, Denmark lifting those restrictions. Well, they are not completely free over there in Denmark. We're making moves in the right direction. We saw the UK doing similar things. They're lifting their mask restrictions as well. So the world is starting to wake up. We're starting to get back to normal and the people are having their voices heard. But of course, you're going to have the media come in and still try to pretend that, oh, well, things really aren't as bad as they seem. That's not really happening. Look the other way, which is why while all of these convoys with the truckers are happening, while the supply chain issues are stifled because of these unconstitutional mandates, because truckers are pushing back, we saw what was happening with cargo ships a couple months back. The media refuses to report on it. Instead, we have articles like this one from Axios reading, why you're seeing so much coverage of empty American grocery shelves. A recurring thread of press coverage suggests that American grocery stores are starting to have so many empty shelves that they resemble the despondent Soviet-era world of scarcity food. And then Axios says, yes, but it's not so simple. Overall product availability is consistent with its levels over the entirety of the pandemic, though there are reasons people may be feeling shortage more acutely. 
And then uh, they go on to say that people want to buy the groceries and other goods they need when they want them in the pandemic world that isn't always happening, which feels a sense that the economy is broken. Now, a couple things about this article. Of course, the media is trying to cover for Joe Biden ruining our economy and continuing these supply chain issues with his mandates, with his bad leadership by saying, oh, well, uh, actually, these sore shells were like this all along. Everyone kind of just didn't notice it. And also it's fueling this sense that the economy is broken. It's not a sense, Axios. The economy is broken to inflation rates from everything. Look at the stock market right now. Go look at the stock market. The economy is severely broken, and that is because of Joe Biden's leadership. What's another thing that is severely broken in our country? Our border. It's wide open. But of course, We are focused in on Ukraine and Russia. It's been at the forefront of news. You tune into Fox News. You tune into CNN, MSNBC. What is everybody reporting on? Ukraine, Russia tensions, World War III, U.S. getting sending troops off to off to Ukraine. What's going to happen? Why are we focused in on Ukraine's borders when ours are wide open? Now, I didn't realize how bad the border issue was getting here in the U.S. We're going to be going over it right now. But listen to Biden's deputy national security advisor talk about Ukraine and why we should care about it. Let's listen. Why should Americans care about what's happening in Ukraine? Uh, because it, it goes to a very fundamental principle of of all nations, which is that our borders uh, should be inviolate, that our sovereignty uh, should be respected. So our borders and our sovereignty should be respected. That's why we should care about Ukraine. Of course, this member of the Biden administration talking about foreign borders, not our own. And before we jump into our border, let me go ahead and give a recap of Russia. My last episode was dedicated to Ukraine-Russia tensions. But if you guys missed that one, I'll just give you like a two minute recap here because our news is reporting From the Wall Street Journal, Pentagon placing thousands of troops on standby for deployment to Eastern Europe in standoff with Russia. U.S. orders family members of embassy staff to leave Ukraine. The State Department warned that the United States would not be in a position to evacuate U.S. citizens should Russia invade. So, of course, we're seeing the media and many of our politicians over here drumming up those tensions with Russia and Ukraine, saying that it may lead to a war. Meanwhile, Ukraine's foreign ministry is saying there have been no radical changes in the security situation recently. The accumulation of Russian troops near the state border began in April of last year. And then the Ukrainian president, uh, Zelensky, coming out and saying Americans are safer in Kiev than they are in L.A. There's no imminent threat. But of course, we continue to see our media drumming up those tensions. For example, Politico wrote this headline. Saki says Russia could at any point launch an attack in Ukraine. And this article, this pro-war headline and stance presented by Lockheed Martin. Funny thing about this, because I showed this on my last episode because it's just too good to be true. It's like Lockheed Martin is seriously presenting a pro-war stance that is making tensions rise in our country with other foreign enemies, if you will. Really? Well, Politico noticed that people were pointing that out, and they've since removed that. Presented by Lockheed Martin, I noticed that today. It's it's gone now. It's no more because they don't want you to know who's behind these types of articles. They don't want you to know who's behind these rising tensions, which again are created and manufactured 
by our politicians and our media who want us to get into another war so they continue can continue to make more money. There is no reason why we need to be intervening in Ukraine. Ukraine said themselves that there's no reason why U.S. citizens should be evacuating, that tensions are fine over there. It really is the U.S. over here beating the war drum, trying to get us into another conflict when we really don't need to be involved in one at all. So, just a recap on the realities of the Ukraine-Russia situation at the border and why is our media so focused in on foreign relations, on what's going on in this foreign country? Why are we focused in on those borders and not our own? Because our administration doesn't even know what's going on at our border. For example, Peter Ducey asked Jen Psaki about the large numbers of single men that are being released into our country. This is what she had to say. A question about immigration. Sure. Why is it that large numbers of single adult men are being released into the United States just hours after being apprehended at the southern border? Well, I'm not sure the specifics of what you're referring to, Peter. Uh, what I can tell you in terms of what our policy is and how we're approaching the border is that we continue to be under Title 42. Uh, migrants who cannot be expelled under tidy, Title 42 are placed into immigration proceedings. And one of those avenues could be placement in an alternative to detention program in the interior of the United States. Sometimes that means moving migrants to other parts of the United States to move to different detention facilities where they wait for next steps in the immigration process, such as a court hearing and are required to check in with a local ICE uh, office. Uh, so that is certainly something that is happening out there in the country and is consistent with our policy. Okay, so just to give you guys uh, maybe an understanding of what Title 42 is, for those of you who may not know, Title 42 is the expulsions and removals by the U.S. government of persons who have recently been in a country where a communicable disease was present. Of course, as in, this is in relation to COVID and many in the media reporting that Title 42 is being completely ignored. And let's take a peek at what is actually happening at our border from Brownsville, Texas this past weekend. This is from Bill Mnuchin of Fox News. He says, we witnessed the federal government mass releasing single adult migrants, almost all men, at a parking garage in Brownsville. Taxi cabs were then called for them. We followed the taxis to Harlingen Airport, where the migrants were dropped off to get on flights around the U.S. He said that there were black tarps set up around the parking garage to obstruct the public's view. In a statement, the city of Brownsville confirmed to me that they used this spot to work with the federal government to facilitate travel for the migrants released from federal custody. Single adults, single adult migrants are supposed to be expelled from the country via Title 42. CBP tells me they had no involvement with these releases. And ICE source tells me these were ICE releases. ICE tells me they're looking into it. I am waiting further comment from them. And for my podcast listeners, the imagery that you're missing here is what looks like hundreds and hundreds of single adult illegal immigrants walking through our country, being released, being shipped throughout our country, like Jen Psaki just admitted to. She said, oh, yeah, well, um, <clears throat> you know, we're just putting these illegal immigrants on flights. So uh, that way we can uh, basically release them throughout the U.S. Of course, not her actual wording there, but that's what she's saying. And I want everybody to understand that our press secretary is one saying she's not aware of what Peter Ducey is referring to 
when he's asking about the single adult males being released into our country. So what is this administration paying attention to and focused on if they're not focused in on our border and national security? Because that in itself is a big issue. Who are we releasing? Who are these men? Are they MS-13 gang members? Are they terrorists from foreign countries? Because if you go and you look at a lot of the people that Customs and Border Patrol end up apprehending or who are illegal in our country and get end up getting put back in jail, they have previous crime records, they have previous affiliations to these gangs, and our press secretary is like, yeah, well, we're just shipping them throughout the U.S. because that's what we do in this country. Here's some more B-roll for you guys of all of these illegals just walking through our country, just being released right on in. Again, from Bill Mnuchin, the federal government continues to mass release single adult male migrants at a parking garage in Brownsville. We've seen four of these groups in the last two hours. Some have ankle monitors on, all being released to bus stations or the airport. Again, not Title 42. And he goes on to talk about as well how, for example, <clears throat> Jen Psaki, the way that she tried to kind of cover up and make it seem more okay that we're releasing all of these illegals into our country. She's like, well, the illegals are supposed to check in with Customs and Border Patrol. Bill Benusian says that the majority of them, I believe it's about 60%, don't show up. They're just never seen or heard from again. From the New York Post, dozens of single, mostly male adult migrants were shuttled from a makeshift processing center in Texas to a local airport for flights to various U.S. cities marking the first time such a transfer has been captured on video amid the ongoing border crisis, according to a report on Tuesday. And I would even beg to differ from this reporting from the New York Post, because last year we were seeing video footage of reporters who were going into airports and they were taking pictures of illegal immigrants who had these big manila folders. And on those folders, it would say, I do not speak English. Please help me find my gate. And in these manila folders, it was plane tickets, it was money because these charities were taking in all of these illegals and then sending them off to the airports. So this has been happening for well over a year at this point since the time Joe Biden has been in office. So it's even funny that the New York Post is like, oh, this is the first time we've seen this on video. Actually, it's not. We've been seeing this for a while. Again, from Bill Mnuchin, ICE responds to our Fox News reporting showing the agency mass releasing single adult male migrants in Brownsville, Texas. ICE says they focus enforcement on public safety threats and those they deem suitable for release are subject to reporting requirements. There's their statement right there, essentially saying that exact same thing that I just read to you. And then that statistic a reminder, between March and August of, I believe this would be 2021, more than 47,000 migrants who were released from federal custody with instructions to report to an ICE office in a city of their choosing within 60 days never showed up according to DHS data. So when Jen Psaki tells you, oh, well, uh, you know, we have protocols and we have laws and rules that these illegal immigrants have to follow, there's none. Nobody is enforcing this. Customs and Border Patrol are severely overwhelmed. I've talked to many of these agents personally myself, and they say that they feel like they've been abandoned at the border. They can't handle the amount of people coming in. They can't handle the surge. We've all watched the videos of illegal immigrants storming Mexican police, making their way to our southern border, saying, Joe Biden, be ready because we're coming into the country. Remember that as soon as Joe Biden was inaugurated, as soon as it was announced that Joe Biden had won the presidency, cartels were saying, 
Uh, we're so excited that Joe Biden's in. We are going to be making bank. You can go look up the articles with the headlines and the quotes of all of that because cartel members knew that human trafficking was very lucrative and Joe Biden was not going to be enforcing any laws that the U.S. borders were wide open for business. So they were going to profit off of that. And look at what we're seeing right now. From Town Hall and reporter Julio Rosas, exclusive, I was given audio of DHS Secretary Mallorca's meeting with Border Patrol agents in the Yuma sector today. It did not go well. One agent turned his back on Mallorca's and Yuma, for those of you who may not be aware, is in Arizona because, of course, it's not just in Texas we're seeing these border issues. Mallorca's admitted the border is the worst it's been in over 20 years, if not ever. And you guys can go read that article from Town Hall exclusive. DHS Secretary Mayorkas had a disastrous meeting with Yuma Border Patrol. Julio goes on to say, Mayorkas acknowledged, I know the policies of this administration are not particularly popular with U.S. Customs and Border Protection, but that's the reality. And let's see what we can do within that framework. One agent told Mayorkas the border was better under the Trump administration. Sources who were at the meeting tell me Mayorkas was visibly upset. Border Patrol agents are pissed and they let Mayorkas know about it today. So go check out that article and go understand what is actually going on at our borders. Because while Joe Biden and his administration are beating the war drums and focused in on Ukraine, our southern border is wide open. And it is your children who will pay the price when these criminals, because keep in mind, a lot of these illegal immigrants do commit horrendous crimes. It is your children who will pay the price for that. It is your children who will be growing up in a fundamentally different America because the demographics of our entire country are being changed every single day as hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants flood our borders. And if that seems dramatic to you, go look at the number of illegal immigrants who came into our country in 2021. It was well over one million. Now, on top of the open borders, we've, we've also seen a large uptick in crime because of the defund the police movement. For example, from ABC News, second New York Police Department officer dies from Harlem shooting. A second New York Police Department officer has died after being shot at a domestic violence call in Harlem this weekend. Officer Wilbert Mora, 27, died Tuesday. Police Commissioner Sewell tweeted, for choosing a life of service, for sacrificing his life to protect others, for giving life even in death through organ donation. He was shot while responding to a 911 call Friday night from a woman who was in a dispute with her son. She said her son was in a back bedroom. And when the officers approached the bedroom, the door swung open and the suspect fired. So that is what is currently going on. And again, this happened last week or this happened on Saturday. Actually, I didn't get around to reporting it on Monday's episode. So we'll report on it now. This was governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, saying last night a shot from an illegal gun took the life of an NYPD officer. And then, of course, she goes on to blame the guns. She says they're going to do everything they can to stop the scourge of illegal guns in their state. Because, of course, it's not the defund the police movement that is at fault here. And that has nothing to do with the surging crime rates. No, it is absolutely the gun's fault for all of this rising crime. And another funny thing, too, we reported on this last week, those L.A. train thefts that are happening. If you guys have not seen that footage, it is absolutely dystopian. People went to the train tracks in L.A. where there were hundreds of packages opened, just littered everywhere because there were train thefts happening. People would go onto these trains and go take the packages. They would steal all of the products. And it looked like this dystopian nightmare 
Well, Governor Gavin Newsom was asked about this and he said, and I quote, what the hell is going on? We look like a third world country and I should have grabbed this clip. Unfortunately, I didn't. But there's the governor of California looking around at his failed state and saying, what is going on? It's just so crazy. I mean, how did things get this bad? I, I Who's in charge? I, it's not me. I, I don't know. Oh, it is me. Oopsies. Maybe someone should do something about that. Oh, it's supposed to be me? <laughs> My bad. That's basically Governor Gavin Newsom. That is the absolute state of California. Again, Kathy Hochul, governor of New York, instead of cracking down on crime in her state as her police are killed, instead deciding to target guns in, at, in this issue and regarding this matter, absolutely ridiculous. And we've reported time and time again how 12 cities here in the U.S., big cities, all-time record high homicide rates. That is the consequence of the defund the police movement. That is the consequence of open borders and allowing all of this crime and lawlessness to fester throughout our country. Look what happened in 2020. Everyone was allowed to go on a straight up rampage and you expected that to stop in 2021? Absolutely not. You expected these DAs to stop releasing these crazed criminals out back onto the street to continue committing more crimes? No, that's still going on in the modern day. We're just not seeing it as prevalently, prevalently because the riots aren't going on. Michael Rappaport, known Democrat, psycho liberal, he took a picture or a video, actually, I believe this was in California, of a man just shoplifting at a CVS, just picks up a bunch of products, puts them in a backpack, walks out, and Rappaport is just so shocked at what he's seeing. He's like, wow, this guy's really just going to steal all of this stuff. I can't believe that, really. That's what you voted for, sir. That is the reality of these bad policies. That's the reality of criminal justice reform and bail reform. That's the reality of George Soros-funded DAs who continue to release these criminals onto our streets. The more I look into George Soros, the more I'm like, why is this man allowed in the U.S.? He's banned from his own home country of Hungary for pushing these progressive policies and just destabilizing entire countries. For some reason, he's allowed to continue to fund all of these people in our political landscape that are fundamentally changing our way of life and destroying our country from the inside. So that is the current state of America. And it's very sad to see. But like I said, it's not all bad. Because on the other spectrum of problems that we have being COVID-19, we are seeing some moves in the right direction. From CNN politics, Biden administration to withdraw COVID-19 vaccination and testing regulation aimed at large businesses. The Biden administration is withdrawing its COVID-19 vaccination and testing regulation aimed at large businesses following the Supreme Court's decision to block the rule earlier this month. The U.S. Department of Labor, Occupational Safety and Health Administration, a.k.a. OSHA, said Tuesday it will be withdrawing the vaccination and testing emergency temporary standard for businesses with 100 or more employees. So this is a move in the right direction, but what about all of the people who did lose their jobs because of vaccination status? What is going to happen to those people? We don't know. It's so disgusting what Joe Biden has been allowed to do in this country. 
The left screamed for four years that we were living under authoritarian rule, that Donald Trump was a fascist, that he was awful, the worst thing to happen to democracy that the U.S. has ever seen. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is in office sidestepping the Constitution. He pretty much ripped it up as soon as he got in. He's ruining our economy. The supply chain is failing. He doesn't care about Americans at all. He's focused in on Ukraine's borders. He's about to not send troops to Ukraine, but the fact that he has troops on the ready is absolutely ridiculous. Remember that he abandoned Americans in Afghanistan. He's about to do the same thing to Americans in Ukraine if a war should break out. That's essentially what he said there. Oh yeah, by the way, if uh, things do get kind of dicey in Ukraine, don't expect us to uh, rescue you. No, that's not what this administration does. Sorry. What is this administration focused in on? Complete nonsense. We'll play that clip a little bit later. But another big thing that happened this week was the second opinion panel that was held by Senator Ron Johnson in Washington, D.C. He had doctors all across the nation come to D.C. to talk about their findings over the past two years and talk about some of those statistics that are being suppressed in the news that are, be, that are being hidden from view. Let's go ahead and listen to a short clip of some of those statistics that are being underreported on. This happened on Monday. I haven't seen one article about this since. Let's listen. We intend to submit this to the courts. Uh, we have substantial data showing that uh, we saw, for example, uh, miscarriages increased by 300% over the five-year average, almost. Uh, we saw almost 300% increase in cancer over the five-year average. Cancer is not being talked about except for by Dr. Ryan Cole. Thank you, doctor. Uh, we saw... This one's amazing. Neurological. So f neurological issues which would affect our pilots. Over a thousand percent increase. A so thousand. Ten times. That's ten times rate and obviously that resonates. 83,000 per year. To, I'm sorry. 82,000 per year to 863,000 in one year. So let me just reiterate what we just heard. There have been a 300% uptick and increase in miscarriages and cancer over a five-year span. There's been a 1,000% uptick in neurological issues, which, like this attorney points out, can affect our pilots. Our media is completely silent on it. And also, I want to show you guys what these doctors are experiencing and what they're seeing when they request documentation regarding the vaccine. Senator Ron Johnson, during the expert panel discussion, RE COVID and Vax, he's, he's quoted saying, this is what we get when we request documentation about risks, adverse events, death, efficacy, etc. The entire documents are completely redacted. And for my podcast listeners, this is Senator Ron Johnson holding up a piece of paper that is essentially a gigantic black rectangle. Everything regarding the information for these products that are being given to people, redacted. Nobody knows what's going on with the information. These doctors that are trying to save Americans, trying to access this information that could be potentially life-saving, they, they can't access it. They get a redacted piece of paper with a gigantic black rectangle on it.
Let's also listen to Dr. Peter McCullough as he talks about what else these doctors have been experiencing. How many of you in this room, recognizing there are doctors, there are PhDs, there are attorneys, media experts, other scientists, public citizens, how many of you personally have witnessed censorship, intimidation, or professional reprisal and damage as a result of your advocacy for patients? I want this to be recorded. That is 80% of this room have experienced something negative in their life in trying to promote and help compassionately something positive for patients suffering with a potentially fatal illness. So that is what doctors who are trying to save people's lives right now are currently experiencing. They are being censored. They are being silenced. And speaking of censorship, as of today, YouTube has permanently banned Dan Bongino's channel, citing COVID-19 misinformation. Again, this is the perfect time, actually, to plug my Rumble channel. Please go follow me over there because YouTube is constantly taking down my videos because I play you these types of clips because I show you the information that big tech is trying to suppress all the time. And now Dan Bongino, who has been one of the loudest voices who loves to tell the truth and actually expose what's going on in this country, his YouTube channel has been permanently suspended, his entire life's work deleted, off of YouTube at least, because of COVID misinformation. And who decided that at YouTube? Did they hire a doctor to go over each and every single one of Dan Bongino's videos? And did they cite what he said that was medical misinformation? No, because it doesn't matter what you say. If they decide it's misinformation medically or otherwise, it is. That's the current state that we're living in. And it's because big tech and everyone in charge wants us to continuously live in this type of environment and in this type of world. For my podcast listeners, I am putting up a picture of what a modern day second grade yearbook looks like. And it is photos of all of these little children with face masks on. This is heartbreaking to me. These kids conditioned to think that wearing a face mask is normal, conditioned to not ever see a smiling face. I've been reading about how speech therapy for children and the speech of children has been hindered egregiously because of these face masks and because of these mandates. And we're not allowed to talk about that information because Dr. Fauci wants you to think that this is safe and, and effective and this is how we should all be living. Is this how we should all be living? From the New York Post, Boston patient removed from heart transplant list for being unvaccinated. A 31-year-old father has been removed from the heart transplant list at a Boston hospital because he re is refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. DJ Ferguson's family says he was first on the list to receive the transplant, but he is no longer eligible because of his vaccination status. His father, David Ferguson, said his son, who was fighting for his life in the hospital and is in desperate need of the transplant, doesn't believe in the vax. He said that it's against his basic principles and the policy they are enforcing because he won't get the shot basically got him taken off of the heart transplant list. So that's what we're doing now in society. You need a heart transplant? Well, sorry. We are uh, denying you medical care. And Occupy Democrats tweeted out 
about this story and said, retweet if you agree with this hospital's decision to deny this man a life-saving treatment. Now, we can't see the tweet because they put their account on private because they were getting so much backlash for their evil response and inhumane response to this. And I was reading through the replies as well. And other people were saying, well, good. He was unvaccinated, so he probably would have died anyway. So it's good that they took him off the list. He doesn't care about his health if he wasn't vaccinated. How do we know that he didn't have, I mean, he's on a heart transplant list. How do we know that? Because we do know that myocarditis and pericarditis, which is inflammation of the heart, how do we know that that wasn't something that he was worried about or his doctors previously told him, hey, maybe you shouldn't get this because you already have a bad heart and getting this could potentially kill you. How do we know that that's something that wasn't at the forefront of this gentleman's mind? We don't. But of course, in the modern day, we just want to put this blanket over all of the unvaccinated and say that they're all dirty and selfish people. And it's absolutely disgusting to see. Sarah Bernstein, MD, says, Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm 35 and a doctor. I also have a heart condition that puts me at an increased risk for serious complications from COVID. Hashtag, I have a pre-existing condition. Does the face of chronic illness look different than you thought? And then Caitlin Flanagan says, Hi, I'm Caitlin, 60 years old and stage four cancer, but don't do anything on my account. I'll wear my mask and be careful. That's on me. You guys need to live your lives back. So, This is the two factions in society. You have people who are so selfish that they want you to put your life at risk for them. They want you to fundamentally change your life for them. And then you have the other side of society that says, you know what? Everyone has personal responsibility. Everyone needs to make their own medical decisions. And those are the two factions of America and honestly society that we're living in because this is a worldwide issue. Now, The prime minister of New Zealand came out and talked about the realities of lockdown. And she had this disgusting, huge grin on her face as she was talking about the uptick in suicide rates, because that's also something that's underreported. We always want to talk about COVID. Everyone's dying. It's super scary. What about the uptick in drug use, alcohol use, suicide rates, depression rates going up exponentially? Nobody wants to talk about that. Let's listen in to New Zealand's prime minister talk about it. And again, look at this disgusting, gigantic smile on her face. Sad facts for New Zealand is that everyone knows someone who has taken their own life. Now, we're a, we're a small country, less than 5 million people, but last year over 600 people committed suicide. And of course, that's only one marker of, of well-being. Uh, and you saw in the in the video reel at play, one in four people in their lifetime will experience a mental health issue. So as the prime minister is talking about these suicide rates and mental health issues, she has this huge smile on her face. And many people are saying, oh, well, she just has big teeth, so it just looks like she's smiling. I honestly think that she's just an evil dictator because look at the policies that she's pushed. Look at her past commentary. And these are the people that want to rule you. These are the people that want to keep you subservient and keep you living in fear. They use these types of tools of suppression to keep you scared and sad and depressed and dependent on them. And of course, like I just said, no one wants to report on those types of statistics because there was a huge detriment to the lockdowns, to children, to teens, to adults. And no one ever wants to touch in on those statistics. 
That's all I have for COVID news. Now let's do a quick news blitz and then we'll end the show. Joe Biden was asked about inflation rates by Peter Ducey, and uh, this is what he had to say. Let's listen. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. So that's how Joe Biden uh, addresses the press. If Donald Trump had ever done this, everybody would be up in arms about how it was attack, an attack on our democracy. And Donald Trump was an authoritarian who needed to be impeached immediately. But Joe Biden just calls reporters asking about inflation. Uh, Peter Ducey was very muffled there, but he basically asked if inflation was good ahead of the midterms. And Joe Biden calls him a stupid son of a bitch. So there's our president for you. Some extra news here. Justice Stephen Breyer to retire from Supreme Court, paving way for Biden appointment. The liberal justice's decision to step down after more than 27 years on the court allows the president to appoint a successor who could serve for decades. And of course, liberals are immediately saying, POTUS, it's time for a black woman on the Supreme Court. If this is the base qualification to become a Supreme Court justice, reminder for, you know, some of you who might not know, the Supreme Court justices are tasked with translating the Constitution and upholding our constitutional rights and protecting them, if the base qualification to become a Supreme Court justice is being black and a woman, just burn the entire country down now. There's no hope for us. What else do we have going on? Neil Young was very upset that Joe Rogan's podcast was on Spotify and said, Spotify, you either chose Joe Rogan or you chose me. And you know what happened? Spotify chose Joe Rogan over Neil Young, who gets, I think, six million downloads a month per over or compared to Joe Biden's 200 million downloads. Yeah, pretty easy choice there. And uh, hashtag who is Neil Young was trending on Twitter after this announcement as well. I just thought that was funny because, again, you have so many of these people in society who are trying to get people like Joe Rogan canceled. And why is that? Because Joe Rogan is widely popular. Why is he widely popular? Because people are hungry for the truth right now in a time of immense censorship. And we have liberals who, for some reason, think they are so powerful and they're trying to get people's lives destroyed. They're trying to silence others via authoritarian tactics. And guess what happens? Guess what, Neil Young? Nobody knows who the hell you are. And now your music is no longer on Spotify, which nobody cares about because nobody listens to your songs anyway. That's all I have for you guys on this episode of Rapid Fire. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I will see you guys next week. My name is Savannah Hernandez.